Welcome to season two of the Creative Sober podcast, where you will hear personal stories from sober creatives on what inspires their creative process and what works for them to stay sober. I am your host and sober creative, Missing May. I find myself growing from these conversations as I continue to deepen my own roots in recovery. I hope they help you too. In this episode, I meet up with Juniper Waller, a singer-songwriter and vocal empowerment coach from Oakland, California. We talk about the importance of breathwork from her voice, body, spirit perspective, how she decided sobriety was the right path for her, and what she's doing with her funk soul band, The Gold Souls. Be sure to stick around to the end of the episode to hear her and her band single, Got It. So welcome to the show, Juniper. How are you doing today? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I am. I'm good. The sun is shining. Mercury just stationed direct. Everything's good. (laughs) Uh, Could you tell us uh, a little bit who Juniper is and your background, where you're from, and um, what, what your creative inspiration is? What is your medium? Yes, um, I am a singer and songwriter um, and vocal empowerment coach and breathwork guide. So (laughs) um, let's see, I'm from Oakland, California, and both of my parents are bluegrass musicians. I just say that right off the bat because I was raised... um, I was raised in music Mm -hmm. um, because of that. And... um, I kind of like spent my first few years actually traveling around the world with them on tour. And um, I've always been a creative person and I've always, you know, loved to sing and write, but I didn't own that or uh, step into that until I'd say until I was 30. So it's been like this long winding journey for me that's been very, very connected with my um, path of sobriety and recovery. Today, I um, front my band, The Gold Souls, which is a funk soul blues band. Oh, you guys sound terrific too. Oh, thanks so much. I I listened to some of it. I was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So yeah, that, that band, we've been together for almost four years now. And then I also play guitar and kind of do my own thing on my own, which I think this is the year that I'm really going to actually release some of that stuff and kind of step into that. Um, I've been a vocal coach for several years, um, just helping people learn how to sing. And then in 2020, when everything kind of pivoted online and my performance self had to take a back seat, um, I got to really dig into the vocal empowerment work and the breath work, which I, I've always been really passionate about energy work and holistic healing. And I trained in herbalism and a few other modalities. And so I've always kind of wanted to bring that into the voice work. I feel like there's a really important link between our healing and our voices. And so I've really been digging into that this past year, which has been amazing um, personally and, you know, in connecting with other people, with my clients and stuff. Wow. That, that is such a powerful link for yeah. you to, to get that download and then pull all of this in, right? Because I, yeah. I do feel like, especially, uh, you know, what we're going through 2020, like we were forced to stay still and have life and who we are catch up with us. And then, yeah. you know, some of us brave enough can sift through all of that and make sense and then really renew your purpose, and what, what is it that I, I, what's my gift that I'm going to put out into the world? And so you were able to pull in all this like holistic approaches and then tie it into your creativity, which is yeah. the voice, right? Like that's so important. Like the breath work. Is, is that the, the solar plexus? Where, where's the, where's the diaphragm at? I'm, I'm not sure. There's something about the chakra 
and like, Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. I'm not, um, let's see, I don't use the chakras, um, specifically in my work just because I'm not trained in that tradition, but yeah, definitely that's all connected and the meridians, um, mm-hmm. all ties in, but so yeah, the diaphragm, um, is actually kind of sits higher up, right? Yeah. Right near the solar plexus area. And it's like the sheet of muscle. And so when we inhale, I love that we're talking about the diaphragm, like just a few minutes into this. Yes. Um, (laughs) And so when we inhale, the diaphragm descends, right? And that creates a vacuum in the lungs. And that's actually where our inhale comes from, is creating this vacuum. And, you know, realizing that a few years ago was huge for me because we think of I think we have a tendency to think of breathing as this effortful thing that like, if we're going to do it right, we have to really think about it and we have to like tune in with our breath. And, and, yeah. and to an extent that's true, right? Because we are a shallow breathing society and we've yes. been trained to breathe high in our chest and not, not slow and deep. Right. But when we start to think about the diaphragm, as this muscle that just creates a vacuum in the lungs and the vacuum needs to be filled and therefore the air comes down and that just happens naturally. It's kind of mind blowing. It is. Um, Yeah. So, so I'm not even sure how we got there, but I love it. (laughs) Yes. It's so important. So important. I mean, like even what we're doing, like metaphorically, I mean, and even physically it's about the voice right? Where it's, it's what's the voice being put out? Like what we're doing on this podcast is about having a voice as a sober creative. So I just, yeah. I love how all that tied in for you, Juniper. It's like yeah. it's magic right there. It was. And like, I want to say about 2020 that, um, you know, yes, I did revamp my business and make my website and like do all this stuff. Right. But also I spent so much time like lying around and feeling crappy sure. and, yes. you that's, know, because I feel talk. like, yeah, I don't want talk. us to, yeah, I don't want us to look back on last year. Like, oh, I either took it as an opportunity and, you know, rose to the challenge and blah, 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 or I failed. Right. Like, I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of people that didn't start a new business and are like, well, okay. So I guess I, you know, didn't pass the pandemic test or something. And I don't, I think that if, if we were able to slow down, if we were able to rise to the opportunity of just being with ourselves and going inside a little more and, and listening to our bodies and whatever our bodies needed last year and this year, because it's not over, then I think that we rose to that challenge, mm-hmm. you know? And so I just, um, I just want to say that because I'm just really conscious of, you know, th- this pressure to have a productive pandemic, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not about that. I know, I know. it's, it's, a, it's, a, it ties into with what they think or what they they are saying, you know, and I think it just, our life is full of seasons and we have opportunities where we can renew that or reinvent ourselves or change the course, whether it's just a little bit or a lot, everyone's on their own personal journey. And, you know, it sounds like that's what you did during this downtime. And, you know, it sounds like that's what you did when you were 30, right? You had a whole life before 30 and then you came into this music and you're like oh wait a minute it's part it's part of my dna it's in my blood i totally. i vouched for that i did the same exact thing mm-hmm. <laughs> i was like rebelling mm-hmm. you know against the music and all of that and realized uh like i i really love doing this it's part of my spirit yeah yeah. 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 And I think that anyone can do that, you know, and I, like I, I mentioned, you know, being the child of musicians, because that's my story, but mm-hmm. that's not, Same. you know, that's not a requirement for coming into creativity. I really think that everybody can do it. 
mm-hmm. you know, like I no matter what, too. no matter what the background, yes, some aspects are hereditary. I believe that as well. But I think that, you know, we all have creativity within us. And um, you're probably familiar with the artist's way, um, mm-hmm. Julia Cameron's book. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yes. And, yes. and, you know, she and she's sober. And so yeah. that was actually and she opens up with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's actually you know before this kind of very recent renaissance that we were kind of talking about before we started recording of sober creatives mm-hmm. that you're a part of that and you know that I'm a part of that is happening right now in this moment. Like before that, I think the artist way was one of the few resources we had yeah. Yeah. Um, as as creative sober people. Um, and you know her her thesis is that everyone is creative and everyone has this inside of us, but our society discourages it, and so anyone can tap into it at any time, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think it it's like on the, on the flip side of that, because there isn't a lot of narrative around being a sober creative, let alone what the idea of a creative's life is. Um, how they create, where it comes from, their background, their life. Um, There's this stigma around the tortured artist. Right. And yeah, I'm I'm guilty of falling into that category where I felt (laughs) that in order for me to create something beautiful or something that means something, it always had to come from a place of pain. And I realized looking back that now um, some of the situations that I created, if, if you will call it drama, so that there was some type of story or I could feel something um, in that spike. Like, what was mm-hmm. it, what was your journey like, you know, being an artist, developing into it as you're like embracing like this, this change for you? Yeah, I love that you said that. And the, the tortured artist thing, um, I think for me, uh, up to a certain age, I really embraced that, right? Like up until about mm, 20, I really embraced the tortured artist and I was so depressed and so like, you know, just chain smoking. And I was like, this is inspiration. Inspiration is sitting at the end of the bar and red lipstick with a martini and crying, you know? Yeah, the smoke was like poetry. (laughs) The smoke was poetry, absolutely, (laughs) straight up. And, um, And I was in New York at school studying poetry and like- literally was doing you went all in yes (laughs) I went all in exactly and and then it was like something happened and what happened for me was I became politicized I became aware in a new way of uh the world (laughs) and and I developed a political analysis. Um, I I became awakened to structural inequality and oppression. Yeah. And I said to myself, there's no time for me to be this like weepy poet white lady. I need to do something. And I snapped into action mode. And I, I like grew this thick skin around myself Mm -hmm. and I said, I'm going to go out and do some stuff. And for the next 10 years, pretty much, I was like a hardcore political activist and I was like really, um, I was really tough and really analytical. I went full left brain and like, I wasn't creative for the most part for that that period of time and I still sang and I studied voice actually a lot during that time as like my hobby right I, I went to voice lessons and um, and I still wrote sometimes but I was not that tapped in creative artist person I needed to be tough in order to be of service in the world yeah. I thought right and I thought that that vulnerability that was required 
to really be tapped into my creative self was weakness. That was, yeah, that was about 10 years. And then it was when I was about 20, 29 that I started, you know, I had my Saturn return and I started thinking about, you know, I really am a creative person. What happened to that? I really, you know, I I used to really value that. And so I kind of started trying to get back into writing, get back into singing, um, dipping my toe in. And then I kind of like really spun out with drugs and alcohol. There was like this period of time at 2930 where I was singing in a band and I was partying a lot and I was running around, you know, I just moved to Sacramento and I was running around like trying to make friends with all the bookers and, you know, just like be on the scene. Right. And I was like that party girl and, and like really started coming into more of a, a fashion sense and, um, and like exploring, you know, it's it's creative, right? Like Mm -hmm. how we dress ourselves, how we present ourselves and started going dancing. And so it was like, I was, I, there were ways that I was cultivating creativity, but in like a very drunk way. And then I formed my, my band and I started getting the gigs and I started, you know, writing the songs and collaborating. And my energy was just like everywhere, you know? And I was like this, um, I had a nickname for, for like the side of me that would come out and it was the cunty stoner diva. And it was like this little, yeah. And (laughs) you don't have to leave that in if that's like, that language is a no, no, I'm just, that's very descriptive. There was like several layers to that name. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it was like this alter ego that would come out, um, you know, if a bartender told us to turn down the music or if, um, you know, just if, if someone offended me, the cunty mm-hmm. stoner diva came out and, and I was like a, I don't take any shit type of, yeah, I was a diva. Like, you know, the, the, the shadow side of the diva was like me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. And I was sad and I was confused. And I, and honestly, when I got sober, I think I was just sick of being confused all the time. I was sick of being confused. I was sick of not understanding what was going on inside of me. I had this thought, what if alcohol is really holding me back? And what if weed is really slowing me down? When I had that thought, I felt a jolt of understanding of recognition. And so I said, okay, well, I don't get intuition shots a lot these days, but when I do, mm-hmm. I should probably listen to them. And so I decided to take some time off. And then I just, you know, after a few weeks, I was like, wow, <laughs> yeah, it, I'm done. It, it, <laughs> this it, is better. You could see the difference right away. So I could see the difference in a lot of realms um, of my life in that I could tell that I was relating to other people so much better. I was able to kind of like listen and understand and just like communicate so much better. Mm -hmm. And then also I stopped feeling so friggin' confused all the time, which like that was just worth it enough for me. Um, I think that like I'd, um, and I've written songs about this since when I was drinking and doing drugs, I would have a few days where I was really on my game and I'd feel really good about it. And, you know, I'd be eating well and drinking enough water and getting enough sleep and I'd feel centered. And then the weekend would come, I'd be like, cool, I'm going to celebrate my great week. And I'd go celebrate my great week. And then I'd just be so addled. My brain would just be so confused. And it'd take me many days to get back to that state of equilibrium. And Mm -hmm. so once I got sober, I stopped having those really confused periods like yes I still have my down days and stuff but I know what's going on it's like you know oh yeah I'm having a down day that's okay and so all that stuff got a lot better when I got sober the thing that took a long time was my creativity coming back 
in the way that I wanted it to, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I got frustrated about six months into sobriety. And I was like, when's it going to happen? Why, why, why can't I write still? Why am I still just so blocked? And I would look back on, you know, my late teens and how creative I was like, why can't I get back to that? That was the last time I was, you know, relatively sober. And it took two years and I'm back, you know, knock on wood. I am, I am back. I am feeling everything, <laughs> you know, I, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, and it's, all, it's rough sometimes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> all day, um, every day. Oh, feeling everything, experiencing everything, getting the downloads, writing them down, turning them into songs, having conversations with like-minded, beautiful people, being there, you know, being able to be present for loved ones, turning that into art. It's just this like 24-7 party of like feeling and then incorporating, you know, and 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 I have to remember, like, I worked really hard to get back to this place. You know, I worked really hard to get back to the the way that I just naturally was, you know, 15 years ago, you know, but, <laughs> and, but of course I'm not her, right? right, I'm, right. I'm this totally upgraded, world-weary, 15-year-old <laughs> version mm-hmm. of her that's what's like so cool about our journeys is that, you know, we get to walk through that fire and come back to tell the tale and help others. And um, I'm very, very grateful for for where I'm at right now. I think that when we're trying to go to that next level or that next space, like I, I found myself looking back and wanting to be that younger version of myself when creativity was thriving. It was like mm-hmm. effortless. Yeah. Um, I really didn't have intention for my creativ- creativity back then. It just was. I mean, the, yeah. the, the first memories of what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was always an artist. I, I just, I wonder, and, and I'm coming into peace with that, is that I, I can't be that that young May, that May back then, like that, right. that's not, that, that's not possible, you know? And no. I, I think once I realized that, then more opportunity opened up, more direction, different types of creativity opened up for me where I'm yeah. not holding on to the past and making room for the present to create the future that I'm going to have. But like really right now, is what's important, what we're creating in this now moment, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. The thing about being stuck in the past is that when we are, we're denying everything that we've gone through since that time, you know, like we're, like, I remember when I, that just that shift that I described where I was like, I'm going to go out and do stuff. Right. And I'm Mm going to go be of service and I'm going to, and and I, you know, I really experienced a lot of stuff during that time, right? Like I, I traveled, I met thousands of people, I was involved with so many things. And, and so to try to go back to the version of myself before all that is to deny all of that work that I did and all of those experiences. And I don't want to do that because I honor her as well. You know, that version of mm-hmm. me, her heart was in the right place. She just didn't know better you know? And so all of my character defaults, as I call them, like came through um, during that time because I was trying to protect myself. I didn't have other tools, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so I honor all those versions of myself, you know, I have to forgive all those past versions of myself and incorporate all those past versions of myself because like all that stuff happened so that I could be here today. Yeah. yeah. You know, that, yep. that sounds obvious when you say it like that, but it's hard to really believe that, you know, like it fully. Is. It is harder to believe it. Yeah. And lean into it and mm-hmm. really, really surrender. Easier yeah. said than done. Yeah. <laughs> what is your sober date, Juniper? 
October 27th, 2018. What was that day like for you? Well, it was October 26th that I woke up still a little drunk. And that was, (laughs) that was the day that I decided, but I say October 27th because you can't start off the day a little drunk and have it be your sobriety date. Um, Or maybe you can, but I felt like I needed, I needed to say the next day. But yeah, I remember it was a full moon and I met with a friend or maybe it was a new moon. I don't know. Don't quote me on it. It was either full or new. And, you know, we were doing our, right. Both great days to make a decision. Right. And (laughs) and we were doing our, a little like new moon or full moon Mm check-in about like, what did we want to bring in? Or maybe it was, what did we want to release depending on which one it was. Let's say it was the full moon because that's what I remembered. Okay. I decided to release for the next two weeks alcohol and drugs. And I was just like, I just, I can't, I'm tired of feeling this way. I don't want to feel this way anymore. So, and it felt like it was going to be so hard to do two weeks. You know, it was like, I was Mm -hmm. crying and crying. Like, how am I going to do that? And I was like, well, obviously I have to do it (laughs) if it's this charged, you know? And so I did. And I honestly don't remember a ton about those two weeks because, well, okay, one thing I remember about a weekend sitting in a room with my band and the guys were smoking and drinking and I was in this room like, you know, where all that was going on because, you know, I'm in a band, I'm a musician, I, I couldn't isolate myself from that stuff. Right. Right. So I knew from the beginning that I was just going to have to be okay with it going on around me. And, you know, I, I work a program and stuff. So everyone in, in, you know, that I was talking to in the program was like, you can't, you can't be around that, especially in early sobriety. I was like, that's just not an option for me. So hard line. Right. Right. Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to not be with my band just because they're smoking and drinking. And I'm not going to tell them they can't smoke and drink around me. It's just, no, I'm, I am contained. I can do this. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was in this room and I was sitting on this couch and they're all, you know, like joking and laughing and conversations going on around me. And I just remember like staring at the walls and just being like, this is the trippiest thing I've ever experienced. Like, I felt like the walls were like pulsating and time was elastic and it was just like, and I was just like, wow, sobriety is the trippiest thing in the world because like reality is the trippiest thing in the world, (laughs) you know? And so that's like my main memory for my first two weeks of sobriety was just thinking about how trippy it was. And I still, I still feel that way. I'm like, who needs drugs? It's like that, um, Dali quote. Um, I don't exactly. do drugs. That's I what, am drugs. I'm envisioning too. Yes, it is. Trippy. I am oh drugs. Gosh, I like question sometimes when things happen. I'm like, there's a time rip right now. There's something going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so trippy. Yeah, and then like I, I take it back to science too. It's like when you experience deja vu or you get that like psychedelic dreamy state. Yeah, like, I think is my is my brain you rewiring a branch or something and I'm physically experiencing it too yes yes. yeah and you can't experience that stuff when you're under the influence no no and so that's what's like so that's one of the gifts of sobriety which is so funny to say is like being able to actually experience the trippiness of being human yeah yeah (laughs) so how do you do that like as a as a sober musician, sober artist, you you are in these environments and it's all around you. It's plentiful. Yeah. It's offered to you all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would imagine even especially around like shows or gigs. Yeah. You know, how do you how do you navigate through that? I feel like when we do go back to shows, it's gonna be easier than ever for me because of what a strong inner world I've created over Mm -hmm. this past year. In the 12-step program that I'm part of, they say, don't go anywhere where there is drinking going on Mm -hmm. unless you have a reason to be there. That really works for me because 
like, for example, you know, that night that I was with the band, I was, I had that in mind. I was like, you know, I know that my sponsor would say I shouldn't be here, Mm -hmm. but I have a reason I'm here with my guys, you know, like we're, this is band time. We're Mm -hmm. not rehearsing, but we're bonding, you know, we're, we're here together and that's a reason. And at a show, it's like, well, I have a very clear purpose at a show I'm singing and I'm selling our merch and I'm talking to people. And I, you know, like I, I always have a, a purpose when it's my show. Right. And when it's my show, I mean, drinking always kind of got in the way of that. And it was such a challenging balance that I was always trying to strike. Like, well, don't drink too much and don't drink something that's too bubbly. Cause you don't want to have a burp while you're singing and don't drink something. Don't, and then make sure that you eat enough, but not too much. Cause you don't want it to yeah. be heavy, but then yeah. if you don't eat enough, make then sure you might you get too enough. drunk. Yeah. And, yeah. And like, so as a singer, when your instrument is your body, that is an added layer of complication with the managing that we try to do with drinking. It's not something that ever occurs to me when I'm at a show that's my show. But then when I'm like out on the scene, because it's so important to show up, show my face now and then and support my friends. And I just keep my focus on what is my purpose here. So much of the time when I, before I got sober, the purpose was I'm here to get drunk. I'm here to party. So now it's like, I need to be clear on what my purpose is because it's not that, right? And that's okay if that's his purpose and her purpose, but mine is not that. Mine is, I'm I'm here because I want to support the band. I'm here because I want to have a conversation with someone. I'm here because I want to try to get a gig for my band here I'm, you know whatever it is it's like I'm here because I want to dance that's fine I'm here because I'm I want to keep my friend company and she wanted to come to the show you know like it's yeah it's a it's a mindset going into a situation it's like um, absolutely yeah being prepared almost in a way, you know, some, some folks will like, okay, well, this is going to be my go-to mocktail or my non-alcoholic drink, or, you know, I have my friends or sponsor phone number available, um, like escape plans, you know, all that set up. And, you know, a lot of it, like, like you were saying too, it's like, it does take practice to be in the, those environments for a lot of us. But it, a lot of it, it has to do with the mindset and the intention. You know, yeah, I think so when, you're, when you're going through sobriety too, and when you're prior to that, when you're using drugs or, or alcohol, um, you know, like I can't help but think that it's not the alcohol. It was what I was trying to cover up and mask or not want to mm-hmm. deal with that mm-hmm. I was using drugs and alcohol. So it was the intention of what I was using those vices for, um, yeah. you know, it's pretty profound. <laughs> Real talk. It's yeah. all about intention for sure. I just, I want to talk about your music, like your, okay. your like intention that you're putting out there creatively, you know, you have this back history and it's created, it's created the juniper that we're speaking with today and you're putting music out there. Like, what is that? What is that process looking like for you in sobriety and, you know, this, this new mindset that you're in? Um, mm, I like how you put this question and I'm like, wow, I don't know if I've exactly thought about it from that particular angle. So I love that. Um, so Being in a band is interesting because we all write songs in the band, but I sing all of them, right? Because I'm the singer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, (laughs) and so I didn't really think about that before sobriety. Now, and, and in sobriety, I think about that a lot. I think about these words that I'm saying, these words that I'm singing have meaning. Right. Mm -hmm. But I get to decide what that meaning is for me. And it can be something so far from what the actual words are. And it's not that I have to change the words in my mind. It's just like 
words have the meaning that we place on them. Words have the meaning that we like our intention, right? Mm-hmm. That's been a huge part of the process for me is like really getting into the me that I want to put out into the world that's authentic to me right now. So like the the single that I sent you for this, we recorded last year. Mm-hmm. I was sober for this recording. The album that we put out before, um, the full length album and the EP before that, I was not sober, oh, right? Okay. And so I can hear and not, again, not to dishonor past me, right? I right. love that recording. I love that album. I love... Um, what my band has done, but this new stuff that we're putting out, I can feel it's like palpable to me that I'm in there. Like I'm mm-hmm. fully in there, fully present, fully intentional with how I'm communicating these words. Um, so that's one part of it. Like as far as the band goes, I'd say that's that's been the biggest thing. For me personally, for my writing I think I'm just letting it come out now mm-hmm. which is is another thing that sounds like obvious and basic but no no yeah talk more about that like it's that allowing of of flow or flow state yeah exactly so what yeah do you what do you think was the I guess the wall there what was the what was it allowing I, it to flow I edited myself so much, Uh you know, and I just thought it was the writing process like that, you know, you think of a line and then you're like, nah, that's bad. And you don't write it down. And then you think of another one. You're like, that's better. And you write that down. Right. And, and now I'm, I'm trying really hard and, and I've taken to just recording myself first. Right. So that, um, because sometimes I find that the actual, process of writing it down is where that edit happens right so I just record myself with my guitar just flowing and a lot of it's gibberish right that's Mm -hmm. fine no one ever has to hear it but if something comes through I want to be able to capture it before my editor who is so cutthroat um (laughs) you know slashes and burns it before it even gets to be put into the universe um so yeah really working on that really working on not censoring myself so much um and like and also stylistically allowing it to flow I think I for a long time you know I'm because my parents are bluegrass musicians and Mm -hmm. my mom is an amazing um Americana bluegrass folk singer songwriter and I really look up to her in her songwriting and her singing, but I don't want to be her, you know, like I, yeah. I want to be me. And so yeah. I'm like, so scared of like sounding too much like my mom last week, actually, for the first time ever, I put a video on my Instagram of me singing and playing my grandmother's guitar and sing and a, a, an original song that I wrote. I've never done that before. I'm not sure why just fear, right? Mm-hmm. I've got like an image to keep up. I'm not yeah. good at, I'm not good enough at guitar. I'm not good enough at whatever, whatever I, yeah. you know, so I was like, I'm pushing past that. I'm going to do it. It's like something that an alternate version of my mom would have written. It sounds like her. It sounds like her songwriting. It sounds like her voice. I listened back to her. I was like, Oh my God. And then I was like, you know what? It is so real. It is so authentic. I'm just going to put it up. I put it up. And yes, there were like a few um, guys I've played music with who like lightly made fun of me for how country it sounded. And yes, there were people who are friends with my mom who were like, wow, you really sound like your mom. Right. And like, and all that happened. But I just was like, you know what? It's real. And you know, tons of really kind comments on it. And I, I was like very, I felt very like it was a rewarding thing to do. Yeah, and like I should that, do it that's more. huge. And... That is huge. Congratulations. That's big. <laughs> Thanks. That, that's big. <laughs> well, and it's like this work that I'm doing with my clients, right? Um, we talk about authenticity and confidence yes. and, you know, all that stuff so much. Yeah. I'm like, I got to put, yeah. 
I gotta put them anywhere <laughs> my mouth is. I gotta, gotta walk the talk, right? Yes. I really do. Right. Because it's one thing to like put out a music video, right? Uh-huh. And yes, that's vulnerable in a way, but it's also edited. Yeah, it's staged. Yeah. 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 Wow. You have a little over two years, two years sobriety. Yeah, it's, yeah. I guess, two years two and, a half. and four months. Four months. Yeah, April would be uh, two and a half years. So what are your, what's your best sober practices? What are, what are some things that you do to say, okay, I still want to check the box on sobriety? Mm. What keeps you fit? So I have a daily checklist. That's what I have to do. That's it's you funny. Know. <laughs> I did see an image. That's why I use the analogy of the checkbox. <laughs> I need, I need it. I like at night, I write my checklist for tomorrow. And that's like my intention setting exercise. So it's um, when I wake up, I write out at least three things I'm grateful for. It's corny, but it works. It It works. I can't believe how well it works. Um, And so I write out my, my gratitudes. Then I free write morning pages style. Um, Do some form of prayer connecting in with myself, um, my creativity and my creator. So yeah, my, my prayer practice basically looks like me telling, um, my higher power, how I plan to be today and committing myself to that for the day. I pull my tarot cards and that's, yeah, that's my kind of my morning practice. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's, those are the the main things on my checklist that I need to do in order to like be tapped in with my intention for how I want to show up. That's what, to me, what my sobriety is all about, right? That's, yeah. that's the big difference, right? Is that I'm able to set an intention and keep it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then um, sleep is really important to me. And, um, I, I've had to really reframe my thought process around rest. I have to remind myself every day that rest is productive. I try to sleep nine hours every night and, uh, cause that's what I need minimum. That's bare minimum for me. Breath work. Um, the type of breath work that I practice, um, is a, it's like we, we, we breathe, we do an active breathing technique for about 30 minutes lying down and it's this deep meditative release yeah being introduced oh it's fabulous and being introduced to that practice definitely got me to a new level in my recovery where I was able to start processing things in a way Mm -hmm. that um in my body Um, So it was stuff that I'd processed through step work and through therapy and through journaling and all the, you know, stuff that I've done to try to get well. And breathwork brought all that stuff to a body level for me. You know, we hold trauma in our bodies. And, and so having some way to process through that stuff um, physically has been like a game changer for me. And so then Mm. that's why I learned how to facilitate this breathwork practice. And I do my monthly online group class breathwork for collective liberation. Um, so I offer that to other people and, um, with my one-on-one clients, I cannot say enough about breathwork. Our bodies know how to do this work we just need to give it give our bodies the opportunity mm-hmm. and so that's what's so awesome about breath work is it just creates that opportunity for our bodies to release I'm, I'm totally geeking out on this breath work thing I'm so yes. interested <laughs> you should come on... I know I think I'm going to check it out Second you know, Saturday of the month. We're having this conversation I mean besides yeah. the podcast but I'm like yes because I I I would say complain about it, but I I totally know that I'm a shallow breather and I just started doing yoga. I mean, I'm still 
learning the different positions. So breath is not the first thing I'm thinking of, but I just know I'm a shallow breather. And whenever I take a moment to do that deep breathing, it shifts everything, like my mood, uh, just being in my body. It, it does a lot. I also like to approach things by understanding more like a, the science or the academic viewpoint of mm-hmm. why does this work? Like how mm-hmm. does that Me too. body? Like I yeah. need to know all the ins and outs. So totally. Yeah. Like it's so interesting. So that's why I'm geeking out about it right now. So I'm going to, I'll definitely check it out and see what that's all about. That's Good. Amazing. Yeah, I know. And yeah, I guess we started our conversation talking about the diaphragm. Yeah. Um, Which yeah, I had, like, thing- did not know that I was going to go that direction, but it makes sense. I know. <laughs> I was like, yes, let's go there. Um, but yeah, the, the thing about breath is it's automatic to some extent. When we sleep, we breathe, right? We don't need to consciously breathe in order to stay alive. Right. Like um, our body just does it. Yeah. Yeah. But we can control it. Right. So it's actually the only part of our autonomic nervous system, automatic nervous system. So like the digestive system is part of that, like the, mm-hmm. the, the body organs that just right. operate. Right? right. And the breath is the only part of that system that we can control. Right. So it's like this, it's both it's automatic and it's controllable. So the, the breath is actually a window, a portal into the rest of our body functions. And that's why everything feels different when we deepen the breath, because everything is different. It literally affects everything because it's so connected with the rest of our autonomic nervous system. And so that's why people you know, sing the praises of breath work so much is because it's truly this key. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of a a missed opportunity to not, to not do any form of breath work. Right. And even just taking, even just taking five minutes a day to slow down your breath and pay attention and just really deep breathing like that massages the internal organs. Yeah. That's an internal massage. Yes. And for people and for creative people in recovery, especially, I think, you know, a meditative breath practice is so important because um, the, for example, the breathwork practice, taking that half hour to really like get into the body and let the breath take over. So much of the time we were drinking and using drugs because Mm -hmm. we kind of like wanted to get out of our head. Right. Yes. And we wanted to just give, give our brains a break and just unplug. And it's hard to really describe, but this breathing practice and other, you know, deep meditative breathing practices do that in a more effective way than any drug ever has, Mm. in my opinion. So, um, yeah, it's really awesome. You you said you have workshops. Yeah, Um, I do. Every second Saturday of the month, I do an online um, breathwork workshop. And uh, is anyone uh, able to go to it or do we need to sign yeah. up for it? So you do have to sign up for it. Um, it's just $20 and half the proceeds go to a group called Black Girls Breathing, which is an amazing group. Um, folks should check them out. And yeah, it's a two-hour class where we just get together, we set some intentions, we meditate, and we breathe. And so it's once a month, which is a really great reset. I mean, I personally like doing breathwork more frequently than that, but I think like a once a month commitment to yourself to really like let all the, the I stuff think we flow can all through. Do that. I think we, we can, can all, all do, do that once a month. Yeah. yeah so I but, have people who come back over and over again and it's kind of their like monthly check-in yeah um with the breath and the body so okay so yeah. I'm curious have you pulled in the band for this are they doing breath work with oh you? my god um a couple of them have a oh, couple of them amazing. have yeah yeah so when I was learning yeah to facilitate breath work um yeah they were my guinea pigs so that is yeah. so cool that's it so was cool. cute 
Yeah. So you guys, uh, you and your band, you're putting you're putting out music. Um, is there any shows coming up or anything that we should be looking forward to? You're, you're just a busy yes. lady. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, not that busy. I I take so much downtime. You wouldn't believe it. But um, the band, we are finishing up recording our second full length album right now. So that will be that will come out later this year. Okay, it's, okay. it's happening. Okay. It's supposed to come out last year, but we all know what happened then. Um, so it'll be coming out this year. So more singles will be coming out soon. And we are starting to book some shows. We have a show in Berkeley on April 17th in person outside and another one in Sacramento. We know that the Sacramento one is April 17th. The Berkeley one is May 8th, both outside. And then also we're planning more live streams. So just keep in touch. The Gold Souls Band on Instagram. Okay. And yeah. do you guys have a website? Yes. Okay. Thegoldsouls.com. And I actually, I have a website that's just juniperwaller.com. And on that site, all it is, is just links to my various projects. So okay. everything can be found there. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Hey, I'll definitely include that with our, our episode notes for our viewers to check you out. Awesome. Yeah. I just, I have one more question. Um, okay. What would you tell yourself knowing that you know now and everything that you've gone through um, in sobriety, what would you tell yourself in early sobriety? I think I'd tell myself there's strength in softness and mm -hmm. there's strength in surrender. And this has been a big theme in the music I've been writing recently. And you know, it's kind of like, I feel like it's kind of a thing right now on social media, um, this idea of soft is strong, soft yeah, is vulnerability, strength, yeah. uh, leaning into it. And it's, it's part of this great shift in our society where we're shifting away from white supremacist, capitalist patriarchal value system exactly yeah there's a there's a feminine power and yes so this this idea of releasing hustle culture mm -hmm. um releasing the idea that being busy makes you interesting being busy makes you important you know releasing this idea that we have to be sleep deprived and you know the nap minute the nap ministry on instagram has been a huge influencer in this stuff and um and yeah I think it's it's really a, a movement that's being led by black women um that are awakening the rest of us to the fact that we've just really taken on the these oppressive values and I want to tell myself when I'm getting when I was getting sober like your value system is not being reflected in the way that you're living your life it's okay to be soft. It's okay to be emotional. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to um, not always have the answer and not always be tough and not always have a thick skin, right? Like this, this, these values that I took on. So at such a young age, they're not helping anyone. They're not serving me. They're not serving the greater good. All they're doing is just upholding this idea that we all need to be so tough and we all need to push so hard. And alcohol and drugs helped me to do that, right? Really helped me to have a thick skin and have a tough exterior, my edge, you know, I was so edgy, right? And like, that's not actually my values. I don't appreciate that value in our society and I want to resist it. And the best way to resist it is to allow myself to feel my feelings, allow myself to cry when I need to cry, which is often. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and model that for others, you know, that's, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Amazing. Jennifer, thank you so much for your time. I had such a fabulous conversation with you and 
learned all sorts of things. It's one of the things I loved about doing these podcasts too. There's always something. There's like, oh, I didn't look at it in that lens. So thank you so much for your time. Yes, thank you so much for having me and for creating this space and for, um, yes, creating the podcast that I really needed when I got sober. And <laughs> I'm really glad it's here now. I really did learn so much in this conversation with Juniper. The shedding of old skin in order to renew connection with oneself and others is an important process of growing forward. You can find Juniper on Instagram at Juniper Songs or at The Gold Souls. Her additional links are included in the episode summary as well as her music that you are about to hear shortly. If you liked what you heard, please rate, subscribe, and comment where you are listening to this podcast. Your feedback helps our content tremendously. You can also follow us on Instagram at The Creative Sober. Thank you for listening to The Creative Sober Podcast. I am your host, Missing May. Until next time, stay healthy, stay creative. Like a rising tide lifts all ships in the bay.